step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week we're talking about the Mighty Thor number 700, The Death of the Mighty Thor Part 1. We're also talking about Jughead the Hunger, a new werewolf story out of Archie Madhouse, and Hackslash Resurrection number 1 over at Image. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Guys, if you like the show, please make sure you're subscribed on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Comment, tweet at us. Let us know how we're doing, what books you want to hear us talk about, and uh, please, if you can, head over to iTunes, give us a quick five-star review, it'll really help us find some new listeners, and if you do it, tweet at me, and I will personally thank you and give you a reading recommendation. The comic show is now sponsored by Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. There are a ton of trades and graphic novels coming out each week, and at Uncanny Heroes, everyday trades and graphic novels are 25% off. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. And support your local comic book store, people. It's important. And we've also partnered up with Nerd Roast Coffee Company. Nerd Roast Coffee Company has a unique origin. Nerd Roast Coffee Company is what happens when developers, designers, and other nerds come together to create the perfect coffee. They wanted to make delicious coffee that will give you the kick you need to get you through your day. And each bag of coffee features unique comic book artwork. So you can read something while you drink your coffee. Don't read the boring newspaper. There's too much sad stuff in the newspaper. Read the bag of Nerd Roast. So check them out on the web at nerdroast.com and use promo code MONKEYS15 for 15% off your order. Once again, that's nerdroast.com, promo code MONKEYS15. And guys, I'd like to welcome back to the show for the second week in a row, Brooke Thomas. How did this happen? I don't know. Where's Matt? He's not tied up in the back of my trunk, if that's what you're wondering. And I'm not using this as just a way to force you to talk to me every week. <laughs> but you're back, and we have a nice mix of books to talk about this week. Got some superhero stuff, which you like, got some horror stuff. But we'll start out with the superhero stuff, because The Mighty Thor, number 700, came out last week. It's written by Jason Aaron, who's been writing Thor forever at this point, and just a slew of artists. Everyone from Thor icons like Walter Simonson to guys like Russell Datterman, Matthew Wilson, Olivia Coypel, just star-studded book here, 50-page special. And I wanted to talk about this book with you in particular because, kind of as a test, because this is Marvel Legacy, and it's supposed to be a good jumping-on point for new readers. And although I've been reading Thor by Jason Aaron for years, you have not. No, the only background I have leading up to this story is what you've let slip or what I actually listened to you babbling about in the car on our journeys to the comic shop. So, just a handful of information. I know about Jane, I know about Thor, I, having becoming Odin's son, um, no longer worthy of Mjolnir, and that's basically the gist of what I knew going into it. Yeah, and it was really hard for me to just not kind of rant and ramble to you like I usually do, because I wanted you to go in cold on this book. 
I wanted to just like spew everything, just like, oh my god, look at all this crazy stuff. But I was like, no. And it, it was it did really well because I would I was reading it, I would ask you a question, and then you wouldn't answer quick enough, and by the time I flipped the page, they had answered it for me. So they don't leave you questioning too much. They they set you up, they deliver, and then it, it the story continues, and there's so many stories because it jumps back and forth and, you know, through all these different, you know, artists and... Yeah, and, 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 and just, to, just to fill in anyone who doesn't know or who hasn't read it, and you should read it, the basic premise is that Odinson goes to the Norns, who are the people who follow and watch the threads of time, and they monitor everything that's ever happened, past, present, future, and... In being there, we kind of see all these different threads, all these different storylines from all these different perspectives, all these different characters and times kind of woven together, and each little story is handled by a different artist. Yes. And I thought that actually worked really well. It did. It the it probably would not have been, you know, so accessible if it had been one artist doing all the different stories having different artists on each different Thor made it so that you could follow the the storylines for each one. I would have been so lost if they hadn't had different art styles for each different Thor. Yeah, especially because you have, like, three different Thors from three different time periods going on. That and, you know, a ton of other characters. So. Right. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. I mean, compared to Marvel Legacy, the one-shot that came out a few weeks ago that, you know, we talked about on the show, me, Matt, and Brandon, about how that book kind of felt like almost like it was a, a series of ads jumbled together because, again, it was kind of weaving all these different stories together, but it didn't have a nice flow to it. This book had a great flow to it, and maybe it's because it was all centering on Thor and Thor-based characters, and it wasn't like we weren't jumping from Thor to Deadpool to, you know, some other, you know, random character. So it, it makes sense that there's a more natural flow to this book, but I love it. I, I love Jason Aaron. I'll... I'll read anything he's doing at Marvel. I, I love that he's kind of spearheading their legacy event right now. You know, everything that's happening in Thor, it's kind of the nexus of the Marvel Universe right now because there's a great two-page spread in here where we see a bunch of cool things that are going to come to pass. You know, spoiler alert again, but, you know, Loki, like Loki getting the Infinity Gauntlet. He has opened the floodgates. Yeah, yeah. You know, Th Odinson getting his hammer back. You know, Jane dying, which... It really isn't a spoiler because the name of this story is the death of the mighty Thor. And Jason Aaron, in a press release, kind of came out and said that these stories are going to play out not only in Thor, but in other titles as well, and sometimes multiple titles. So we're going to see the ramifications of this, and it's all stemming from Thor. I'm most interested to see what's going to happen with Jane. She was just shriveled and laying on the surface of the moon, and I'm just curious, is that really going to play out, or is Thor going to save her? Because at the end... We see Carnilla laying on the ground. She has already taken over the powers from the fates, the strings from the fates, and she has dispersed her people to different areas with each one of these fates to prevent them from being destroyed. And Carnilla is telling him, this, you know, my death isn't something you'll regret. You need to go to Jane. And, and that's where it pretty much leaves off. So I just really want to know, what is going to happen with that? Is he going to get to her in time? Is he going to be able to help her? Is she going to die? Yeah, I think she's dead. Like, I think a couple of weeks ago on this show, I mentioned that I think that it, I thought it was a misdirect and that she was going to survive somehow, but I think she's dead. It might not play out that way. Like, maybe he'll save her from whatever her quote-unquote fate was, and then she'll be able to die a more peaceful death that she, you know, she has a little bit more comfort and control in, but 
uh, I think it's a Walter White situation where she has cancer and, you know, you know she's going to die one way or the other. She's kind of owned up to that. I mean, there's been plenty of books where she's come face to face with her own mortality and over the course of Aaron's run, she's kind of accepted her fate in a way. So, but I, but I still can't wait to see how it plays out, especially with, you know, Mangog returning now. Oh, and I love that he's just... He, he looks like the little tiki cups, the little tiki people from Moana. Yeah. He, That's exactly what I thought. I was like, I oh, love that no. there's, like, no mass redesign on him. Like, he looks like a Jack Kirby character, <laughs> like, and they kept true to that, and I love it. <laughs> Speaking of comic book icons, though, you know, they, they brought Walter Simonson back, who is a Thor legend. Like, he was, you know, a Thor icon. And he has, only has one page in there, though, it's the, but it's the first page. And it's, you know, classic Thor. So, when, you know, when you see Walter Simonson's name on this book, don't expect him to be telling, like, a whole story in it. But he does He does start it off with a bang. It's, like, an iconic Thor image. But other than that, I, I have to say that maybe my favorite little mini-story in here was Thor versus Hulk. I love a good Thor versus Hulk story. I mean, that's, like, one of those classic comic book battles that fans are going to argue about all day long about who would win. And we see it from, like, a completely different perspective here with the two females you know, Jane versus Jen Walters Hulk. And I, uh, I really liked it. Like, I'm just, and that's just like, you know, me being a, a dumb kid, like throwing my action figures together, just like fighting them. <laughs> but I'm down for it. And I can't wait, especially because we're getting, you know, a movie in a, in a few weeks. That's, you know, a Thor Hulk movie, basically. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Cannot wait. I do have a nitpick, and this is just me venting. This isn't something that we're going to be able to answer or anything like that. But Marvel's returning to legacy numbering in a lot of these books. So like I said, this is Thor 700. They're returning to these triple-digit numberings in all of, you know, Thor, Hulk, Spider-Man, Captain America, blah. And in all these books, there's a page in there where they kind of lay out all of the characters' comics leading up to this point. That way we can kind of track how they got up to 700. And with this Mighty Thor 700... It starts with Journey into Mystery, number one. So, you know, Journey into Mystery, number one through 25, is the first 25 issues of this. And then, you know, they start with, you know, the Thor, the original Thor series by Stanley and Jack Kirby. And they kind of build onto there and they show you how it gets up to 700. But what's really annoying to me is that they're starting at Journey into Mystery, number one. And Thor didn't even appear in Journey into Mystery until issue 80 something. 83. 83. So there's like 82 issues in there that they're kind of cheating to get to 700. And I don't know what the decision-making process was behind this. I don't know if that was a conscious thing. I don't know if maybe I'm overlooking something here. All of these things are entirely possible, but it looks to me like they're starting a journey to mystery number one, which was not a Thor comic. It's a marketing ploy. It's a marketing ploy is all it is, and that's something that annoys the shit out of me because I really enjoyed this comic, and I love Jason Aaron's run, and I like following books for creative elements. I like to follow good writers, good artists, good storytelling, and I don't want to see stupid marketing spoiling an otherwise really good comic. Like, I'm already annoyed that this book was $6, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, it was worth it, but I don't, I don't ever want to pay $6 for a comic. Yeah, well, nobody's going to want to pick up a big 50-page issue if it doesn't say 700 on it. They don't want to pick up issue number 600 and, you know, 18, 617. No, that's fair. I guess that that's completely fair. Fine. You win again, Brooke. As always. How many robots are you giving this, Brooke? I'll give it a four. All right. I'm going to give it a 4.2. I enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. I think this is uh, one of the legacy books that people should definitely be picking up. 
Jughead the Hunger was a one-shot that Archie Horror put out not too long ago. It's kind of an Elseworld story if Jughead Jones, the Riverdale glutton, was a werewolf. And now we have an ongoing that's kind of spun out of it because it had success. You know, it's written by Frank Thierry, art by Pat and Tim Kennedy, colors by Matt Herms, inks by Bob Smith and Jim Amash, and lettering by Jack Morelli. So, big team on this book, and it's a good book. So credit to all of these people. I mean, I love the one shot. You know, I love the one shot. I know you love the one shot. I tried making you read that one shot and you wouldn't read it. Which is, I regret. I regret deeply because. Now you regret it. Yes, yes. It sat on my shelf for months and I, I was not an Archie fan at all. I didn't read a single Archie comic from the grocery store shopping aisle when I was a kid. It didn't hit me. I do not care for Riverdale. I've never seen an episode of it, but I know I'm probably not going to care for it. I am not into that franchise, but when you pushed the Archie Afterlife series onto me, I devoured that. It was so damn good, and it it, it hurts my heart a bit <laughs> that a new issue of it has not come out, and I am going to have to reread the whole series as soon as it does, but the Archie Supernatural spinoffs that we keep getting from the series are amazing to me. I don't like horror. I don't like any of the, any of that stuff. I don't like your horror movies that you shove down my throat. But I I love the Archie Archie horror spinoffs. They're just really well done and 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 I love them. They are. I mean, they're great. And I'm glad that you are devouring them so much. Hey, devour. We're talking about a werewolf book with uh, Jughead. Yeah. It's a nice nice choice of words there. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoy them so much. If I can get you introduced to any kind of horror, I'm happy. <laughs> I, lo- I love this book, too, because this kind of goes back to Afterlife with Archie, where it's very gory, mm-hmm. lots of blood, and the color template reflects that. We get a lot of blood, a lot of sharp colors in it and stuff like that. I love it. I love, like, the subversion of this innocent franchise and this innocent character. That's the best part. I, I think that's why I don't care for Archie, because it's too naive, almost, for me. Yeah, I can see that, but again, that's why something like this works so well. It, it does, it does... I can't wait to see where they take this series, where they take this whole concept of just Archie meets... <laughs> yeah, I I mean, they've already taken it in a direction that I didn't see coming because I thought they were introducing like a love interest here with this Abby character, and then by the end of the issue, let's just say she's not around anymore. <laughs> so I'm already shook, and I don't know where the hell this series is going to go, but I, I, I love it. And I think, again, the art on all of these Archie Madhouse books is just so on point. Like, I feel like between Afterlife with Archie, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and now Jughead the Hunger, they all have such different art styles, but they all work perfectly. They work perfectly for a zombie story, for a witch story, for a werewolf story. Like, they are just killing it on all cylinders right now, picking these art teams for these books. They know what they're doing. Yeah, and when it comes to a genre like horror, the art is so important because you need to exude. You gotta like a, set the tone. You gotta set a very specific tone on it. Yeah, and I think it works perfectly for the last few pages in Veronica's house when Reggie, werewolf Reggie, kind of comes back because it feels like not only a werewolf story but it feels like a slasher movie. Like a you know, it has such like a, a when a stranger calls vibe to it, where you know he's calling her and he's in the house and she's locking all the doors and stuff. Has a really slasher vibe to it before we see that awesome splash page at the end that with the cliffhanger. Which which is my only question about this whole book, is that Reggie seems like so coherent and like he, he knows who he is, he knows where he is, he's having a fully formed And he's still an asshole. And he's still an asshole and has a fully formed conversation 
But when Jughead's a werewolf, he doesn't remember anything that he does. I think it's, well, as we see with him, he's going through a bunch of emotional issues right now trying to deal with this new state of being that he has been forced into. And maybe he isn't jiving with his brain right now, or maybe he isn't connecting with what's going on in that sense because he is dealing with a trauma. He, he Something happened, or maybe the first murder that he committed happened, and now he's just blocking it out to help protect himself. So it's psychological? It's gotta be. I mean, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see that explored. I think that'd be a really cool... Uh... And I'm sure they will. It's only the first issue. Yeah, I, absolutely. Now, see, now you're talking like I usually talk to Matt, because Matt usually makes these jump accusations, and I'm always just like, dude, it's issue one. So now, <laughs> <laughs> you think, now I'm in this seat, and it makes me makes me feel... Angry. Angry, yeah. But I, I, I do love as well that out of all these characters, and we have, you know, a Betty Cooper that's like this hard-ass werewolf hunter, and we have Jughead Jones who's like, you know, now he's like a mopey werewolf character. But out of like all of these characters, the one that is true to who he has always been is Archie Andrews, who is still just like this bumbling kind of goofy son of a gun who just is good for a laugh whenever he comes around. I don't know. I love Archie. I've always loved Archie comics, even since I was a kid. I I, I like Riverdale. It's 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 tra- Riverdale threw me because in Archie Afterlife, Jason is is dead. He 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 dies. And when I found out that Blossom, Jason Blossom, was dying in Riverdale, I was like, oh, Are they doing Afterlife with Archie? Is this what this is? And then. It, it wasn't. It no. was just another drama. Yeah, well, I think everyone, when they announced Riverdale, thought that it was going to be Afterlife with Archie. And I would have watched it. Hopefully they still do an Afterlife with Archie show. I mean, they're doing a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina show. But I, but I just I love the whole franchise, and I, I love either the pure Archie stuff, like I love the main Archie comic by Mark Wade. I love the horror stuff. I'll read this stuff all day long. I'm giving this book a 4.25. I'll give it a 4.5. You're going even higher than me on a horror book, no less. I like the Archie horror stuff. Who are you? Please, please, if you're listening, please put out another issue of Archie Afterlife. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we'll talk to we know some people on the inside over there, Archie Comics. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see what we can do for you. <laughs> Hack Slash is a series created by Tim Seeley. It's a story of Cassie Hack who was the lone survivor of a slasher attack in which her mother was the slasher. After surviving, Cassie teams up with a monster named Vlad, and they traveled the world as bounty hunters fighting slashers and monsters, and that was the original Hackslash series. And now we have Hackslash Resurrection, number one from Image, written by Teeny Howard, art by Salore, colors by K. Michael Russell, and letters by Crank. In this issue, basically it picks up Cassie has lost Vlad, he's dead, she has taken a break, she doesn't want to do bounty hunting anymore, she's just trying to live a normal, or as normal as she can get life out in the wilderness with her new cat, and it just seems that she can't get away from all the craziness. This, I haven't read it, I've wanted to read it, I know you haven't read it, you've wanted to read it, this is a great jumping on point for anybody who is looking into getting into this book. If you pick it up, you read it, it will make you want to go out and buy the five omnibuses that all the stories are collected in. It's a great issue. It is, yeah, and it's a great introduction. I mean, everything that I said in the beginning is on the credits page as you know, to get you into the series, so you don't really need to have read any Hackslash prior to this. I'm a huge Slasher fan. I mean, you know that because I've 
kind of subjected you to a lot of horror and slashers. A lot. Over the last few years. And I love all like the little homages to classic horror and classic slashers. I love the correctional facility being named England. I'm assuming after Robert England, the guy that plays Freddy Krueger or played Freddy Krueger. I love I love the gore. I love, again, similar with Jughead, the color palette, because with horror books, so much of it comes down to the art to convey it. And I love that even though it's a book that has the word slash in the name, it's almost like an amalgam of all these different horror genres. Like, you have the slasher genre, and then you have, like, you know, zombies in there. You have kind of the weird sci-fi evil mad scientist thing going on in there. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, and there's a lot to enjoy. And a lot of, like, mystery and intrigue, too. Like, when you when you sit down and you look at the book... As a whole, you think about it just like, well, she was just sitting at home in her underwear playing video games, some zombies attack, and then she kind of decides to leave. And that doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't sound like a lot happens in this book, but they cram a lot into it that really gets your attention. Like, I want to know more about the scientists. I want to know more about the camp at the end. Like, I know you had like an oh shit moment at the end with the camp. She, she's going, she's on the phone with somebody who knew her mother, who worked with her mother back in the day. And she's working at a camp for kids who are victims of extreme violence. And she wants Cassie to come because she's like, oh, I want, you know, them to learn not to go out and be vigilantes and take it upon themselves to do these things. And then she goes there after being attacked by a couple of zombies. She's like, screw this shit. I'm out. Or what is it? Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> and, you doing South Park? I don't know. And she's like, she goes to this camp, and at the end, the kids are all holding weapons. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. I, I like. I really wanted to more. So even though on paper, like you might think, oh, not a lot happens plot wise, but they really hook you. Like Teeny Howard does a great job here, hooking the reader. And I read an interview with her about this series in Image Plus, and she's a huge hack slash fan. She seems like the perfect person to get their hands on this book. You know, it's not Tim Seeley writing it, but he has, you know, he has creative oversight. I think he's kind of monitoring it and helping guide Howard in the process. And I'm totally on board. And I am. I mean, I am going to go back and you try to binge read Hack Slash and catch up because this is every, this is everything I want. And I mean, there's intrigue and mystery here in her dreams. I mean, she dreams of Vlad and like, I'm just like, I have no idea what he's saying to her. Like, is, is this a premonition? Is he reaching out to her from beyond the grave? Do we have, you know, do we have some weird stuff going on? What is this weird coded thing that he says to her at some point? Like, again, so much intrigue and mystery. And that's what gets me coming back issue to issue. Like, Matt's whole thing with a number one is, does it get me to buy issue two? And this gets me to buy issue two. And the previous series. <laughs> and the previous five omnibuses. I mean, I'm going into the poorhouse right now. <laughs> As if I don't have enough stuff to catch up on and read. And I already mentioned the art, and I, and I do like the art and the color template and stuff like that, but body proportions are a little weird at times, I'd say. They are. Slightly. Does it take you out of it at all? I mean, you, you're an art stickler and stuff. No, it's uh, like, when I was reading it, I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, I can deal with it. She's not like, it's not like they gave her massive breasts, and they gave her a massive ass. It's not like that at all. She's maybe average? I don't know. It's just the, the art style for the... The, the body's a little bit different, it's all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not natural at all, but... They do sexualize her, but, I mean, what are you going to do? But that's part of her character. That's part of the, that empowers her, right? It's her taking control of her sexuality and taking control of herself and taking on the world. I mean, I think, again, in that interview that I read with Howard, she kind of addresses that and credits that as one of Cassie's strengths, and I'm not going to argue with the writer. No. 
How many robots would you like to give this book? I'll say a 3.8. I'm going to give it a 4. I enjoy, I enjoy a good horror comic, and I enjoy a good comic that's just straight-up entertaining. <laughs> it doesn't bore me. I mean, it's the cardinal sin is don't bore the reader, and this book didn't bore me. So, got a couple of good horror books this week. I'm glad that you enjoyed them. I know whenever I give you a horror book, it's always kind of like testy. I'm always just like, whenever I'm testing the waters. Whenever you tell me to read anything, it's testy. Well, I've kind of learned over the course of our relationship not to tell you that you have to read something or you have to watch something because then you just don't do it out of spite most of the time. <laughs> So I just, I kind of just like put something on the table. I'm just like, hey, this is, oh, this is good. And I just kind of like let you come to it on your own. It's a good idea. Yeah. It's good. And then if, cause if you, if you pick something up out of your own volition, there's a good chance that you'll like it. But if you are reading or watching something because I told you to. It's like baiting a stray dog. You don't play with the food in front of it because then the dog's like, what the fuck's up with that? Yeah. But again, also just like you will dislike something because I told you, like I could tell, I could, I could tell you. To watch something amazing, I, I like. If, say you had never seen the Shawshank Redemption before in your life, even though it's my favorite movie, even it's your favorite. That's why I'm using it. Like it's your favorite movie. Say you had never seen it before, and then I like hounded you for months. Like you have to watch this movie. You have to watch this movie. You have to. You have to. You have to. And then you end up watching it. I'm pretty sure that you would have ended up disliking it just because I hounded you for months to watch it. Uh, but you hound me for months on end about multiple topics weekly. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed these books. That I asked you to read this week. Asked you, not told you. Just asked you to read this week. And thanks for coming on again. This was a pleasure. Always. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have a chance, please, again, just give us a quick review of our show on iTunes. Give us a quick five-star rating and uh, tweet at me. Let me know you did it. And as always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 18th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa and get your 25% off a trade or graphic novel. And head on to nerdroast.com and get yourself some Nerd Roast coffee. Special shout out to my fill-in co-host, Brooke Thomas. Woohoo! Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all of our friends, family, and the interweb, thank you so very much for your support. I'm Anthony Composto and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.